this is a community discussion. This isn't anything overly formal. So anybody who wants to chime in and share their thoughts and um, and speak about uh, you know what's happening in the open source community, the open TOEFL community is welcome to request to speak. Uh, and we'll be more than happy to have to hear from our entire community. So. All right, as we kick off our space, and I'm not the biggest, uh, you know, space expert, so <laughs> so give me some leniency here. I actually uh, crashed the first link, so let's hope we don't have crash and burn with this one too. Um, but yeah, we're gathered here today to mark a very significant milestone in the evolution of open source. I historically have been known <laughs> to be an open source, an outspoken open source advocate with with posts in the news stack and things when. Uh, open search dropped and other things. Um, and I've had, a, you know, opinions on the sustainability of open source on the changing of business licenses and other trends that are impacting the world of open source. Uh, and if you've been involved in the DevOps cloud native open source community space, uh, like our panelists who are joining us, and I'll introduce shortly, uh, it was very hard to miss a major moment for our community, which was the changing of the HashiCorp open source license from MPL version two to BSL version 1.1 uh, in August, which is a source available, I believe, were uh, considered less open source. Um, and HashiCorp has historically been kind of the poster child of open source. So this was a major moment. Um, and out of this uh, came the Open Tofu project, which is essentially the Terraform fork. Um, uh, in August, uh, it was forked and then it was contributed to the Linux Foundation, if I believe uh, if I'm correct, in September. You can find all of that historical information on opentofu.org. Uh, and other folks have been covering it too. We have Ohad Meislish from N0 who, uh, who posted about it, and Dotan Horowitz, Horowitz, who's on this call, also posted about kind of, um, the forking of the, the project. And here we are a few months later. Uh, and we're thrilled to announce that Open Tofu is now generally available. It was GA today, so congrats to everyone who contributed. Woo! <laughs> yes, this yeah. is a big um, milestone. It was an incredible journey. Um, really uh, incredible to see uh, this project GA'd so quickly. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what it takes to build a successful open source project, uh, the trials and tribulations of open source, um, and we have an incredibly esteemed panel with us uh, and folks uh, that we'd love uh, to have chime in. Um, so uh, as we get started, let's uh, introduce our panelists or the ones that are here with us. Um, we have a few more that are supposed to be joining. Uh, I see that Andrew actually is here, so he's been invited to speak. And so without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce the folks that are going to be uh, on the panel today and other folks are welcome to join and chime in. So Dotan Horvitz, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey in the open source space and uh, why you're excited about open TOEFL. Dotan, <laughs> come in. All right, then we're gonna go to Ohad and then uh, Dotan. Ohad. Yeah, you need to unmute, maybe that's the issue. So hi everybody, great uh, seeing you all here. My name is Ohad Meslish, co-founder and CEO at N of Zero. Uh, we are from like two hours after the license change announcement of HashiCorp started working on uh, OpenTF, then OpenTofu. And I'm extremely, extremely excited that today our, uh, our boy is going to a high school or a university or something like that, graduated and now being part of a mature community 
of uh, successful open source projects. It's a very important day for the open source community. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I think this is a huge milestone. Uh, I think uh, some of us uh, open source folks were a little bit skeptical when we first heard about Open Tofu, but uh, this journey has been truly uh, remarkable. And so without further ado, I'd like to introduce Anders Eckert, who is from Stira. And Stira are the folks behind OPA, right? Open Policy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so. And so, yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your journey also in the open source space, a little bit behind uh, your work for uh, the CNCF and OPA and other. Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been involved in the OPA project for uh, at least four years, I think almost five. Uh, started out looking for something to solve authorization and uh, I kind of uh, saw OPA at, at the KubeCon in Barcelona. Was it 2019, I think? Uh, and uh, yeah, continued on, on that path ever since. So. Uh, so yeah, and, and of course, like my relationship to with Terraform or Open to Tofu also comes uh, from from uh, kind of from that angle, since uh, Opa has been like instantless, pervasive, uh, basically everywhere in the in the uh, I IAC community. So we're we're I'd say we're the policy engine of of choice for for most uh, people working with Terraform or Open Tofu. So. Yeah, that, that's me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Dotan, are you ready? <laughs> we keep losing Dotan. Okay, he'll come back. He'll come back. Andrew, on to you uh, from Control Plane CEO and also um, deeply involved in the CNCF community. Love to hear a little bit more about your journey and thoughts and other things. Good evening from London. Um, I've been a long term Terraform user. I've uh, been deeply technical throughout my career and the advent of infrastructure as code in a declarative sense as opposed to uh, you know this balance between declarative and procedural always swings one way or the other terraform turned up and, and gave us something to base security static analysis and ultimately a, a more effective way of detecting configuration drift and it has become such a centralized part of so many deployments that seeing this community reaction seeing the open source advocates gather around and jump on um, what is uh, ultimately probably one of the quickest release cycles in the history of, of software in general, especially something that is considered critical to so many organizations is astounding. Super, super stoked to see this linchpin of so many different organizations back to being open source, not just uh, open what was it source available i think is this the new framing um open source involves freedom free and open source is what we dedicate our careers and our spare time to so very very pleased and very happy to be here amazing and dotan do we have you now are you there Woohoo! all right we got dotan and dotan is an avid podcaster so uh, i expect him to um give us a really good opening. <laughs> and so uh, Dotan doesn't need much uh, introduction, but uh, I personally am proud of Dotan as our personal CNCF ambassador out of Tel Aviv. So take it away, Dotan. Great to be here. And uh, yeah, I've been following this project for uh, since its uh, initiation. And so excited, I think, uh, as said before me, it's uh, incredibly uh, fast to reach from the original, not even the fork, even the uh, manifesto when it came out, all the way through to um, 
to GA, especially through also teaming up with the foundation. And you know, I'm also a CNCF ambassador, so knowing the foundations inside and out, it comes with its merits, but also with its uh, bureaucracy and, and the process. So uh, crossing this ch uh, chasm as well and, and being able to achieve the GA uh, within the Linux Foundation uh, is a foundational open source that's a tremendous achievement. So uh, way to go, everyone. So yes, very makes the really excited to have everyone here. And yes, we're going to touch a little bit on everything that's involved with getting an open source project from like, you know, theory to GA, especially in a foundation model, which also has its own um, challenges. Um, but I think just to kick it off, I think I'm just even going to read from the open tofu uh, GA blog post uh, today, just a little bit about the things that were released, the new features and things to look forward to. And then I'm going to ask uh, Ohad, who's actually um, an integral part of the project, uh, and he can also identify anybody in the crowd who's uh, who's contributing to the project, to maybe tell us a little bit about um, what, what was involved with rolling out all of this and uh, what's coming next and what to look forward to and all of that. So just, uh, just to quickly quote from the blog post, the new features uh, being released in OpenTOFU 1.6.0, uh, that comes with a bunch of new stuff. So there's the testing feature that lets you test your open TOEFL configurations um, and lets module authors test those modules, which is awesome. The S3 state backend, which is a big uh, deal, which the community was really looking forward to. So that's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, and the new provider and module registry, uh, which follows a homebrew-like architecture uh, and is fully based uh, on a Git repository. So very cool stuff coming out in the very first GA. Uh, Want to unpack those a little for us, Ohad, and tell us a little bit about um, why those are exciting, what went into building those, and what we can look forward to in next versions. Thanks. Yeah, definitely, Sharon. I think what uh, the community have seen today is uh, the ability to deliver. It's uh, very important to gradually and carefully uh, build credibility with the community. And everything you mentioned, I think, is uh, extremely important for us to, to prove that we deliver as a new entity you know for us it was a new experience to join uh, other amazing companies i'd like to shout out uh, some of our uh, official competition but here we collaborate extremely well in uh, the behalf of this project space lifts scalar harness uh, grant work is also very important to mention the folks be behind terra grant and many others who decided to keep uh, the telephone ecosystem uh, open source, however, I think maybe even more important than what we are doing here in Open Tofu is to see other projects and other companies embrace Open Tofu. Uh, I think very important projects are Alpine and Brew. So if you're using Mac and you use Brew install in order to install your software, Brew install now supports Open Tofu and actually limits. Uh, the Terraform installation to the latest open source, which is 1.7. So everybody is using Brew. If you write Brew install Terraform, you get 1.5. If you write Brew install open tofu, you get 1.6 and later 1.7 and so on and so on. So I think it's very important to see not just what's going on within the open tofu project, but in the entire ecosystem and how everybody is going with the trajectory of open source and not like what uh, Andrew said earlier, he mentioned uh, the source available, which is kind of a new concept that uh, 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 was being used. And I think the power of open source compared to source available, exactly as Andrew mentioned, uh, is now something that we can all see the uh, results of it. 
Incredible. That's awesome. So we'll get to what's coming next also. That's all really exciting. And I agree that delivery is extremely important. Uh, I'd like to tap into our other panelists and uh, I guess uh, you guys can just chime in uh, whenever you think. What do you think about kind of um, the forks that have come out of the HashiCorp change? So one is Open Tofu. That was an, uh, that was GA today. There's also Open Val from uh, IBM. Uh, and um, how do you see this all playing out? Uh, happy to hear your thoughts, Anders, because you're unmuted anyway. <laughs> Was I unmuted? Or... Yeah, but it's fine. You weren't making. Okay. Noise, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think like as others said, it's an exciting development. I'm always been like a strong supporter of of open source and uh, like yeah, I, it's to me it's uh, like the this whole community aspect. Uh, I understand like uh, organizations need to make money as well, but it's. It just didn't. Uh, it just didn't sit right with me with uh, this whole kind of change of license. No matter, like I know it's it's in their full right, but uh, uh, I think to kind of to, to to build a community on the premise of open source and then kind of pull that rug, and it it didn't didn't sit right with me. And uh, but uh, so I'm very excited to see that like these these projects continuing on. Uh, and an open source trajectory, although under uh, different stewardship. So super, super excited about it, even though I'm not uh, currently uh, like a, a big user on any of these projects, but I'm definitely involved in, in, the, the, in the larger ecosystem around them. So very excited and big congratulations to everyone involved. Amazing. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to say that I uh, dropped a poll in the thread of the um, of the uh, space. So whoever wants to chime in, we're going to um, drop some polls throughout just so we can uh, see kind of what the community is uh, using and what their thoughts are and uh, whether you're considering migrating. Um, Dotan, I'd love to hear your thoughts on you guys kind of at Logs.io and, you know, as a CNCF ambassador and an open source uh, you know, person in the community have also undergone other similar uh, stories with Elasticsearch and, and their change of licenses. I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of that evolution in this space and what's happening and what you see going forward. Yeah, so uh, by the way, can you hear me better now? Uh, yep, can hear you. So, so um, yeah, we've been through that uh, also with, with my current uh, company, with Logs.io, uh, more than once. Uh, you mentioned uh, with Elasticsearch, that was quite an adventure. And then uh, also with uh, Grafana, uh, change of license, uh, different type of change of license within the open source realm, but to a, to a copyleft type of license, which is another uh, beast there, and, and some others. So definitely uh, been through this cycle a few times before, and by the way, for those who don't know, with Elasticsearch, it also ended up with a fork uh, called OpenSearch. Uh, so uh, similar, but also different in some respects. Um, so, so I think it's something that we're, I expect us to see uh, not less of uh, this year, now that we're at the beginning of 2024. It is something that seems to be a trend, a defensive way of companies as soon as they reach a certain uh, maturity level. Um, to switch over from open source. Obviously, I'm saying that with uh, regret being a, an open source ambassador, uh, but uh, it seems to be sort of a, something, I don't know if it's the pressure from uh, from uh, the, the venture capital world or, or uh, the financial situation or what. But uh, on the other hand, I think the encouraging thing is to see the community uh, stepping up 
and uh, this is an incredible opportunity. Rod mentioned that that you can actually see competitors on the on the commercial side of the house uh, then teaming up and joining forces uh, to keep uh, in this case Terraform open. Uh, this is the power of open source, the, the ability to bring together uh, different vendors and also end users, and we see we've seen. Uh, Honest and others joining later on in the uh, in the open tofu realm uh, and uh, and building up in, in an incredible pace, like really less than half a year to reach uh, stability is is incredible. So I think uh, the most important thing is to realize that this is something that is uh, not sporadic. We've seen that with Akka, by the way, and, and others, uh, each one with his own domain. And I think we need to, uh, as users also, as end users for those out there. Uh, to when you evaluate open source, when you use open source, to do that with this uh, in mind, just like you take uh, other considerations in mind when you choose an open source and use it, like security and, and operability and other things, this should also be part of your evaluation, part of your uh, way of uh, creating automations, uh, guardrails, and, and so on. Interesting. We'll tap into it a little bit. Uh in a little bit, but I'd, I also would want to hear your thoughts uh, on kind of what uh, OpenTofu can learn from the open source open search work and uh, other kind of things that you've learned on the way. Uh, but I'd love to hear your take, Andrew, as well, like uh, what you're seeing, what you're thinking, how do you feel about forks and what's what do you expect to happen going forward kind of in the open source ecosystem? I am all for forks. We saw the same kind of thing happened with Node.js, um, well, maybe 2016, I guess where an open uh, node.js was already managed in a community sense so it, it was truly a community project that the stewardship was agreed by committee there were the structures in place that actually with open tofu under the linux foundation the advantages in terms of open governance and freedom of contribution vendor neutrality they, they were all broadly there in in uh, in the node.js world but there were some fundamental differences and there was an iojs fork now that really brought into sharp relief the differences between the two groups of maintainers and they were able to go forward. This was on a technical basis, incidentally, not a license. They were able to go forward and then reunify the code bases and join the contributors back up and essentially maintain and, and uh, bring the velocity of the project onwards. So forking can be very useful in some cases. Um, it, in this case, looking at OpenBow it's an interesting one. Vault is such a, I keep on using the term critical, but Vault is such a critical part of so many secrets management solutions and for regulated industries, especially the cost of deploying a, a Vault cluster is north of $100,000. And that's, while there's a small amount of extra enterprise um, feature sparkles on top, actually for something so critical that a lack of availability to take down production and give you the expiry length of your keys before everything's got before everything is inoperable then i suspect banks will continue to pay for those licenses because they get direct access to hashicorp support so openbow i think has a, a lot more uh, necessary conviction be just because it's such a such a mission critical piece of infrastructure um, more broadly, I mean, when we see these license change escapades where we have a vibrant community, we have people contributing in 
advocating, building tutorials, giving their free time into the project. And then we see this, uh, this concept of, well, we're, we're going to change the license. It's free for you to use until you start making money from your startup. That seems like a bait and switch to the entire open source community. It's interesting to compare this to the Elastic and, and Grafana pieces, um, because in those cases, we saw major cloud providers re-hosting those projects and you know, barely contributing back upstream, not being good open source contributors in general, and making hundreds of millions of dollars from direct competition. In this case, these forks have happened, I think, well before um, competitors have, have made significant money, uh, that kind of quantum from, uh, from Terraform in general, and HashiCorp certainly makes a lot of money from licensing vaults. So it, it does make you wonder if this is now a VC-backed play, as Dotan alluded to. There's also the uh, some of the comments made straight out of the top of, of HashiCorp suggest that they don't really understand that the inherent success of these projects has been brought about by the open source ecosystem. And had it not been open source, they would probably not have got to this point. So big fan of forks. Open Tofu is probably the, the most successful that, that has ever driven stratospherically uh, to that number of stars. Open bow uh, sort of remains to be seen. Interested to see how that progresses. Yes, and I think it all, there's also something to be said about uh, kind of the companies that are backing the initiative. And I think that Open Search was uh, actually quite successful because it had uh, quite a strong uh, backing, corporate backing from a bunch of companies from Labs.io to AWS and others. And um, and Open Tofu also has um, commitment of resources and time, and that's and you can see that in the delivery. And so OpenBow now that was forked by IBM, we have uh, we have to see what uh, where it's going to go. And so I agree, it is yet to be seen how that's going to play out. Um, but one thing that I actually uh, so the um, that maybe the parallel here for me, Sharon, yeah. if, if I might just chime in for for OpenBow, it's actually even more interesting because I thought IBM is as the corporate as the company. This is a group within IBM. Uh, that engages in another open source project uh, under the Linux Foundation, and actually found themselves in, in, a, in a very awkward position when uh, when uh, the change occurs, when Vault uh, license change occurred, that they could no longer use that within their own project. Uh, so they needed to find an alternative, and they ultimately went down the path of actually forking and, and creating this alternative. So this is actually something that is really, really the classic bottoms up. Uh, almost individuals, although they're uh, IBM employees. Um, so uh, I'm just saying it's not IBM as IBM. Interesting to see if IBM takes more uh, formal position in this and obviously if others join. But uh, this is the case that also uh, exemplifies very well that this relicensing is also a problem, not just for commercial organizations that make money out of uh, these projects and therefore, and obviously also blamed for, for maybe uh, uh, playing unfair, this is actually a problem for the open source uh, community itself. Because if I'm, and uh, in the CNCF, we see that uh, uh, broadly, because in the CNCF, the policy is largely around uh, Apache 2.0. And if uh, uh, any dependency, doesn't matter if it's a library or, or a tool or, or anything else, does not adhere to, uh, to this uh, license, even by the way, within the realms of, of uh, other OSI approved licenses, it's still a problem. And then other open source projects found themselves imposed, especially if it's a copyleft license, uh, uh, by, by constraints that, uh, that they haven't chosen. So I'm just saying, very, very interesting case that just shows the complexity of this new situation that we're uh, coming into. 
Wow, I had no idea. And so that's why I always love to have you on these uh, sorts of spaces. That's, uh, that's new information for me. I had no idea. And that's actually a really good point that you bring up, that those dependencies are cascading. And then the, you know, the outcomes, everything that happens around these sort of license changes that has so many, um, it, you know, it, it has so much impact. Um, I'd love to uh, actually tap into Anders and, and Andrew as well, who are both have, I guess, uh, popular open source projects and hosted in the CNCF. Uh, Andrew, yours is a, a sandbox project still, the, or am I wrong about that? Am I right? I don't remember. But uh, Andrew's OPA is actually, graduated right it's a it's a long-standing graduated project tell us a little bit about the trials and tribulations of having a um stancf gps to end practices sure yeah so yeah we graduated two years ago i think which was uh after quite a long process of uh i, I don't remember all the steps but it, there was a long list of requirements and and things you had to do uh things you had to prove and so on and so forth. So yeah, that, that, that took a, lo a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work and effort, but it was, uh, yeah, obviously worth it. Uh, so we've, we've been, I think, uh, I don't, I don't know when, when, when it became like when, we, when it joined the, the CNCF, that is, that is, uh, before my time. Uh, and, and I think, uh, like the level of, uh, uh, kind of collaboration or so on depends a lot, but, like differs a lot between uh, different projects. I think it, at this stage uh, or at this point in time, we're we're uh, quite we we work quite like independently from from the CNCF. But but obviously it's it's good to have the backing of that. And 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 it, uh, I think the the main the main thing where at least where I notice it is is around KubeCon the conferences where where we where where it really where it really helps uh, being a graduated project. Uh, but I, but I think it depends a lot. Like like uh, uh, some of these projects, they do like if they do a webinar, they do it under the CNCF uh, or hosted by CNCF. If they write a blog, they write it on uh, under the CNCF properties and so on. So it, it really depends a lot of, uh, or it really differs a lot between uh, projects. How much uh, you can uh, uh, work with the CNCF and, and how much you, you don't. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're probably, we could probably be better uh, in, in our collaboration with that, but, it, but it, it's, it's, it's never been like anything anyone regretted. I think it's, it's, it's been a, a fruitful collaboration, I think. Thank you, that's fantastic. Uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts? And just correct me if I'm wrong, do you guys uh, have a hosted CNCF project? Am I right about that? We do not, as a result of seeing how much effort it is to maintain, maintain things in open source. Um, we've got a, a flurry of uh, bits of open source security tooling around Kubernetes and, and network testing and the like. But actually, most of the work that I do in this space is via tag security. Um, we've got Eddie Knight here as well, who is a collaborator there. And the goal of tag security is to help to assess and recommend security practices two projects that are looking to ascend through the CNCF's governance process. This is, again, one of the key points of uh, having vendor neutrality and, and foundational um, membership, which is that th the way we proceed with these is a community of people external to the project coming through have um, a high level demo. They'll then go and dig into the docs. They will use the project 
and they will build out what they believe is uh, is the beginnings of security assessment, take it back to the project, and then collaborate on a joint assessment, which is then submitted to the technical oversight committee and is used as one of the uh, barriers of maturity in order for that project to to uh, ascend through the ranks. This is one of the, as I say, major delineations between running something as an open source project which sits on GitHub with a closed um, sponsor panel actually sort of funding the developers doing the work and ultimately with complete control and the ability to make these kind of license changes and something that sits in a foundation. So the way that the Linux Foundation and specifically the CNTF governs these projects is in order for something to graduate, there must be evidence of multiple contributors from multiple different companies, evidence of community, impartiality, the things that we almost take for granted in these well-curated communities that would go a long way to, for example, robustifying, um, not that the project necessarily needs it, but the Terraform open source code and also offering a direct path of mitigation in cases such as this. Now, actually, OpenTofu went straight into the Linux Foundation. Uh, they reached out and were welcomed with open arms. So we can now look forward to that kind of stewardship for the project. Yeah, fantastic. Actually, this is where I would want to um, tap into Ohad and kind of ask him a little bit about his experience with with contributing, uh, with being on the team that contributed OpenTofu to the Linux Foundation, some of the cha challenges you encountered, uh, and what do you think will impact your stewardship uh, of this project and the other companies involved um, in terms of navigating it through this uh, through the Linux Foundation? So Ohad, I'd love to hear a little bit about that experience. Yeah, thanks, Sharon. I think we're all positioned in the ideal situation here. We already have a very mature ecosystem of providers. Let's say the AWS provider, which is open source, the Datadog and Okta providers, and so on and so on. The modules, all of the AWS modules and other models already existing as open source, they already work as is with uh, OpenTOEFL. So we are already in a very good place to continue and support this, this project. Besides the, the, uh, the resources of OpenTOEFL, as I mentioned, the uh, providers and modules, there are other things that work hand in hand. OPA is a great example that works with Terraform and same with OpenTOEFL. InfraCost for cost uh, estimation. Uh, Chekhov, TFSEC, Terrascan. So OpenTOFU is a unique example of something that from day one already has a very mature ecosystem of uh, adjacent solutions and technologies. So that's really important to mention when we think about the future of uh, such a project and uh, to look at it in that context. Another thing I think it's really important to share with our audience is how OpenTOF works as a project. So besides just announcing 1.6 GA, uh, another thing that the team had to do is to create the uh, alternative for the Terraform registry. Not sure if you're all aware, but a few days after the license change of Terraform uh, framework itself, the HashiCorp also announced, or actually they didn't announce, but they just changed the terms and conditions of the Terraform registry. And the beautiful thing that happened is that in OpenTOEFL, there were 
if I remember correctly, four ideas, different ideas, on how to implement the new registry, the open registry that anybody can use without any limitations. And we went to the community and did RFC request for uh, uh, comments. And we gave about 10 or 14 days for everybody to try to suggest how they think the new registry should be implemented. And we acted accordingly. Uh, with also, we have a technical steering committee, and everything is so transparent and impartial and community driven. So, I think now that we see that we have all of those foundations within this project, I am 1000% assured that this will continue in the right direction, working hand in hand with the community. That's awesome. That's really incredible. Um, incredible work to everyone who contributed to this. We have some really awesome folks in the audience, and I said that this is going to be a community discussion. So for those who would like to chime in and kind of give your thoughts on uh, on what, what you think about kind of what's happening in the um, open tofu kind of ecosystem or even the CNCF landscape and um, a little bit on uh, the open, uh, open tofu GA dropping, if uh, you want to chime in, feel free to request to speak. We'd love to hear what everyone in the community thinks about um, about the this milestone. Um, so as we wait for community folks to uh, to want to join our conversation, I also will add that I added another poll in our uh, chat here. I just want to see like kind of what people are thinking in terms of migrating to open tofu. So there's another poll about uh, maybe your um, you know what you're considering and uh, if if it's even on uh, on the in the plan um, as uh, you know, to, to adopt uh, open tofu sometime soon or migrate to open tofu. Uh, so Eddie Knight, thanks for joining us. Uh, I see that you requested to speak. Feel free to let us know what you're thinking about uh, you know the open tofu community and maybe adoption or in general kind of the new project and uh, what are your thoughts and experiences? Yeah. Hey. Um, so in addition to collaborating with Andrew inside of CNCF, I'm a maintainer for Finos, which is a another Linux foundation. Uh, focused on financial services, it's the financial services vertical. Um, so I used to work inside of a couple different major investment banks, and uh, now I work for Sonatype, we're open source security. Um, but because I'm still a maintainer for the FinOS organization, I'm doing a lot of work related to infrastructure deployment for financial services. Um, the interesting thing for me is that there hasn't been a strong response to the license change, but there has been a lot of strong interest, uh, especially in the potential for reducing spend on things such as Terraform Enterprise. And so I was curious if anybody wanted to spend a few seconds just kind of giving an update or, or kind of casting vision for OpenBow, if that's something that we could talk about a little bit. Sure. I, I don't consider myself very knowledgeable, but it sounds like Dotan knows a little bit about OpenBow. So feel free to, to go for it, Dotan, if you have uh, answers there. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not a security expert, I think, here, actually, uh, Andrew and others. But uh, so from the security angle and the, the, the best approach, obviously. Uh, but in terms of the open source path, I think um, the, the the challenge there is, as I said, that there's still no major entity that uh, stepped up to uh, to address. So it's uh, 
I guess a, a side benefit is the fact that since it came out of a project that is under the Linux Foundation or under the LF Edge, for those who know Linux Foundation Edge that uh, discusses these uh, technologies. So it, in a way, it's by definition somehow under the umbrella of the Linux Foundation, but it's very technical administrative aspect. In the, in the real sense, uh, I think it still uh, needs to be... Uh, to prove itself uh, that other, other join and similar dynamics as we've seen in very successfully here in with open tofu with with vendors that are deeply vested that actually put full-time engineering development resources and other types of resources marketing and and, and so on uh to to make it successful this is i think from my experience with open source uh, and also looking at uh, my capacity within the cncf the uh, uh core pillar of the sustainability of projects, let alone in the very early stages when it's really trying to make its first steps in the world, is about creating this uh, this this momentum and the, and later on the the diversity. So um, it's it's great to see that with Open Dolphin and Open Bow we're we're way uh, earlier in the stages and. Uh, and we need to see, even if, as I said, even if IBM itself as, as, a, as a corporate will, will back it up formally and not just these individuals that are involved through the, uh, the open LF, uh, the LF Edge uh, project. That's, that's my take on the open source. But uh, if you're talking about like feature set and capabilities around the, uh, the security, uh, I leave it for uh, the security experts here uh, in the crowd. No, that, 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 that answers my question uh, very, very well. I think the biggest focus is is more on what is the the trajectory for this whole ecosystem, right? To be able yeah. to enable the adoption at those higher level organizations that are looking for that full feature set. And so this this step today is huge, 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 huge. Uh, and I'm wondering what's next. And I think you just answered that really clearly. Thank you. Sure. Awesome. Thanks so much uh, for chiming in, Eddie, and thanks for that excellent answer at the time. Um, we have other folks in the audience. I'm not going to out you, but you, you know who you are that are uh, security experts. If you feel like you want to chime in and uh, kind of give your your perspective there, you're more than welcome. Um, we also have folks from the IAC space uh, that are here. And uh, if they have thoughts also on kind of the way this is all playing out, we'd love to have you chime in. Ooh, do we have someone interesting join us? Anton, I'm so happy you're here. Maybe just as a listener, but uh, Anton always has good insights on everything that's happening in the IEC space. So Anton, if you're uh, looking to chime in and want to add some perspective, you're more than welcome. Um, I think uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of folks are probably asking, um, and this goes to everyone kind of on the panel, Ohad, probably because you're inside the project, but Dotan is a CNCF ambassador and Andrew and Anders. Um, but what what do you think would be involved? Even this is even almost a DevOps question, I guess, an IAC question. Uh, what is involved with migrating to Open Tofu, and what is the likelihood? What do you what are the barriers or the blockers for people to actually um, start adopting Open Tofu? Um, what do you think needs to kind of happen in order for this to to gain a little bit more momentum in terms of um, more more so like kind of what Eddie was speaking about enterprise adoption versus like open source projects and things like that, which I also think is already impressive as it is that some projects are already moving ahead and adopting open tofu, but in terms of um, more widespread adoption, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the beautiful thing is that those organizations actually don't need to do anything in order to start using open tofu. It's the same protocol, it's the same kind of language that is Terraform. I remember Kelsey Hightower writing in his uh, Twitter 
posting in his Twitter after we announced the fork that it's like HTTP protocol in browsers. You have different browsers that implement the same, the same protocol. I think all in all, um, you, you will see now with the GA more and more adoption of using an open source framework binary that is uh, fully compatible, that has no uh, legal risk whatsoever and adopted by the uh, community. And as time goes by, we're going to see more and more innovation and more and more community uh, driven involvement in this project. And this will gradually bring more and more enterprises. By default, enterprises are in a wait and see mode. And I think Terra Grant and OPA are great examples of amazing open sources that were created by and supported not by AWS or IBM, by, but just by a smart group of people and enterprises gradually implemented those technologies in production. So I'm sure that we're going to see the same here because unlike migrating from Terraform to Pulumi or from Terraform to Crossplane, which is a lot of work and education for the engineers that need to learn different concepts and different uh, providers and to be aware of so many different technologies, to migrate, I'm not sure that's the right word, to migrate from Terraform to OpenTofu basically means just execute a different command. Interesting. And do you think that there are going to be any concerns around, I guess, fragmentation going forward? At some point, I mean, it's called a fork because, I mean, it is kind of a fork in the road. Do you think that there's going to be a, a point at which, you know, it's not going to be backwards compatible with Terraform or where there will be those types of like kind of decisions that you'll need to make? Yeah. So I, I think it's important to remind us all that Terraform is already nine years old. If you just look at the GitHub Insights, of this project, you're gonna see a lot of development in the past, but in the last few years, it has been a pretty stable project. So there is actually not that much complexity in order to continue pushing this project forward. And I think whatever happens in uh, Terraform, which makes sense for the community, the community will uh, push forward the right decisions for OpenTOFU. So I, I believe that it will be compatible plus, meaning it will, whatever is needed in Terraform uh, will exist in OpenTofu thanks to our developers in the community. And more than that, for example, state encryption, I think is a very, very interesting uh, example of something that uh, is, uh, uh, let's say, probably coming to OpenTofu sooner than Terraform. And that's due to the fact that we have fabulous folks from the community who just wanted to put that inside OpenTOFU. And it makes sense to have this capability in, uh, in this framework. Uh, so we're gonna see, I think, both compatibility and additional innovation in case you wanna use specific capabilities of OpenTOFU. I think it's a very reasonable uh, challenge for uh, for us behind open tofu because as i mentioned it's not as complicated as it used to be a few years ago and also if we look at the providers aws provider azure provider aws and azure always have new resources so you always have to work uh, in order to maintain 
those providers due to the innovation of the uh, cloud vendors themselves. In Terraform framework, in Terraform core, the situation is different. AWS innovation doesn't affect the capabilities of Terraform core. Terraform core just has its own innovation. And again, as I mentioned, it's nine years old, it's very mature. So my personal opinion is that we're gonna see both compatibility due to the uh, reasonable challenge that we have here and the innovation coming from the community. Very interesting. Um, I will, uh, I mean, we're coming up to, towards the end of the, the session. I mean, we can keep going if we want, but uh, I guess I was figuring it was gonna be around an hour long, but what I would wanna hear if anybody from the, you know, the community wants to chime in and tell us a little bit about what you're looking forward to seeing, if you have any questions regarding like kind of open tofu and what's coming next and um, anything in the realms of that, like kind of, what, what you'd like to see happening in the project or what are your fears or uh, anything of, of that nature, you're more than welcome to chime in and kind of give us your thoughts. Um, so don't uh, don't be afraid to request to speak. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, I did want to come back to this question. So I feel like uh, I asked in, in the context of the CNCF, so I'm going to direct this one to you, Dotan, but a little bit about what um, what open tofu can learn from other forked projects like you've been very uh, experienced in what you said like open open search and grafana and all all of that kind of landscape um if you have a few tips uh for the open tofu maintainers and things to to pay attention to uh certainly so first of all i, th I think uh many other forks can learn from open tofu as i said like uh the the speed and the like uh, very early on identifying that the the path through uh, the foundational open source were very keen insights uh open search just as an example up till now more veteran than and still has not uh, joined the uh, foundation and is opening up uh, slower than that so definitely uh these are success stories I think the diversity, I mean, I, I touched about and alluded to that before, uh, is, is very important. And the mix, a healthy mix between uh, vendors and end users is something I think I highlighted that, uh, earlier in, in OpenTOFU's journey as well in, in one of my tweets. Uh, but essentially making sure that it's not just vendors discussing between themselves and, and mitigating uh, needs of their own respective products into the uh, project, but rather also Factoring in the uh, directly the end users and making them an essential part of that. Um, I think these are the the main things the, to the sustainability of the project and going forward. Uh, there was the initial statement. I think you touched a, uh, a bit about that before in your questions, uh, because the, the initial statement was about uh, compatibility with Terraform, not just on the first version, but also going forward. Like will will be compatible as like a mission statement of OpenTOF or OpenTF as it was originally uh, coined. Um, and, and this is something that I was concerned about at the beginning. I told them it, it, it doesn't make sense uh, to even claim that. Uh, this is, these are going to be independent projects and uh, trying to, to create this tight coupling will actually uh, cripple the project. So I, I'm glad to see now what uh, Ohad said. Uh, a much a more uh, coherent message saying we will uh, uh, very discriminately examine uh, the the value of each of the uh, features that is added to uh, to Terraform and if it bears relevance to our community then we'll see how to adapt it. I think by the way a great example with the testing uh, capability that was added to Terraform at 1.6 that was obviously not being able to fork 
but it was adapted to uh, to open tofu in this uh, version i think it's a, it's a good uh, example as well so i think these are the main things uh, to make sure that uh, the project uh, goes on and maybe worthwhile uh, saying a few words if uh, if what wishes to say about uh, the roadmap ahead what what we expected so now it's full alignment with uh, 1.6 obviously plus the things that we mentioned but uh, where do they see this heading forward? Uh, at least in the, the main themes uh, would be maybe interesting for our audience. Yeah, thanks, Totan. Uh, although I'm heavily involved uh, supporting Open Tofu, I'm not in the uh, you know in the technical steering committee and in the exact details. What I did, what I can say is that everything is fully transparent. We have weekly or bi-weekly updates. Uh, in GitHub, on the website, uh, we share things on our blog. We have a Slack uh, community uh, workspace with uh, about 1,700 uh, people uh, asking questions and influencing the future of uh, of Open Tofu. So, sorry for a, a, a political kind of answer, but I think you know it's not for me to personally share what's going on. There are official forums, govern forums with all the uh, right process in order to make sure it's uh, being handled properly by the uh, leadership of this uh, this project. Yeah, it makes sense. And then anyway, maybe one more point that was interesting uh, from the get-go, now that it's part of the Linux Foundation, I think from the get-go, the, the project aimed to actually join the, the CNCF, the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, uh, so this is yet another something that is interesting to uh, to see how the project evolves and how this converges. Actually, I saw just uh, earlier today uh, a post by Chris Anacek, the CTO of the CNCF, uh, very enthusiastic and supportive of this major milestone. So hearing uh, the executive leadership of uh, the CNCF uh, uh, supportive of this is uh, also encouraging. And uh, I don't know if anyone here at the audience uh, is involved enough to uh, to comment on this, but Definitely, both in my capacity on the CNCF, but also generally, I think the fit between Terraform and the cloud native ecosystem is uh, lends itself to just being under the same uh, the same foundation. Uh, curious to see how this uh, uh, works out. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm, I'd also be curious uh, to hear. I see that there are folks in the audience who are on the uh, technical teams. If you're interested in timing in, I tried to, <laughs> Ronnie, I tried to give you speaker and status, but you might not want it. You might not be in a position to speak, but uh, I was hoping that you might want to actually chime in and tell a little bit more about the Open Tofu roadmap and what to look forward to uh, on top of the things that uh, Ohad said. But other than that, if, uh, um, if not, then uh, definitely do uh, follow the community. There's the Open Tofu uh, uh, Twitter X now, um, and the Slack that Noah had mentioned, and the website. We'll mention it again: opentofu.org. You can probably find all the information there and be able to track the project and uh, get involved if you'd like to um, be more meaningfully involved and contribute to the project. And uh, um, open source projects can always use more hands on deck, so I'm sure that they uh, would be more than happy to have uh, uh, more contributors. Um, I guess uh, we'll wrap up with uh, with just some last thoughts on um, on the infrastructure as code landscape itself and how it's evolved over the years. And even Ohad said, this project itself is nine years old. I mean, I remember configuration management and Jeff and Puppet and things and all that. And now we're on CDK and now we're in all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm just wondering where it's all going and kind of what are your predictions for what, what's happening in the IAC landscape and where it's gonna evolve from here? 
Um, and I also have folks in the audience who I'd happy, be happy to hear from if you're interested in speaking uh, up, please do request uh, to speak. Um, but yeah, let's just do a round of, of our panelists kind of and uh, hear your thoughts on that. So Andrew, go right ahead. Thanks. I wanted to chime in just on the previous point about HTTP of uh, IAC. Essentially, while currently HCL is a commonality, if we look at the blog post that Dotan referenced from the, the Linux Foundation, they mentioned the 1.7 candidate features. So client-side state encryption, awesome. Transparent, that'll be great. Parameterizable backends, providers, and modules to enable more readable dry code. So that potentially means that a module in open Tofu will not be compatible with Terraform. The nightmare situation for an enterprise is for HashiCorp to change the license on HCL. Now, it's not really clear whether that's even entirely possible, but potentially there's, there's something there. That would then be a hard fork, and we'd be looking for maintainers and the community again to, to decide which way to go. I think everyone on this space is confident that the community would rally around the, uh, the more open uh, side of that fork. But this is broadly where I see the, the infrastructure as code piece going as well, because we have more or less standardized around the declarative nature of um, infrastructure configuration management. We generate a plan, we have the ability to run static analysis on it, and then we apply it to our cloud infrastructure. That is compared to what we used to do, which was gaffer tape and string, um, even through, again, the, the procedural configuration management, we're in such a beautiful place compared to you know, the, the beginning of my career and how I used to stand up and rack and stack servers. So IAC as a foundational piece to build the infrastructure for all the apps and systems that we, that we use seems to have reasonably commoditized before this. My hope is that it maintains that stability because it is important for the systems currently running on it. And the ease of migration between forks at this point is, is a major selling point. I do wonder if HashiCorp will uh, pull that card at some point in the future. Yeah, interesting, interesting uh, points. Uh, Andrews, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, sure. Like one thing that struck me is <clears throat> like not just in the IAC space, but uh, kind of the industry at large is, of course, like the, what 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 impact does this uh, fork and the open bow uh, these type of forks? Now that we know, like that's probably what's going to happen. Like it must have a shilling effect on anyone else considering uh, a license switch at this point, knowing that that's that's likely the outcome of of doing this. So uh, I feel I feel like it's it's it has. I think this this fork has benefits outside of 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 uh, even the IAC space. Just knowing that. Anyone, anyone considering this at this point must know now that uh, this is this is a likely outcome. Like somebody is going to fork the project, and it's it's at one point it's it's bound to diverge, and it, there's going to be fragmentation, which is probably not what uh, it, it, it it that the outlook of that or like the it's not as appealing as as I'm I'm and I'm sure like I don't think HashiCorp saw this coming. I'm I'm not sure if. If anyone knows, but uh, so I could be wrong there, but uh, but now like anybody, anybody's gonna see this coming. Like this, is, so I'm I'm, I think there's, uh, uh, I'm super excited about that, or just like this whole prospect of 
of knowing like and uh, what Andrew said, like forks are great, but but obviously they're not great from from the perspective of whoever wanted to pull uh, pull the rug under the community and change something to a proprietary li license. So it's obviously not a desirable outcome for for them. And uh, I'm very happy that this uh, likely has a shilling effect on anyone else considering this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I actually uh, see that somebody from our community has uh, accepted uh, his speaker invitation. So Engen, I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, kind of the evolution of the IEC space and what you see coming and uh, a little bit of thoughts going forward. Uh, yes, uh, thanks. Thanks, first of all, Sharon, for organizing this great uh, space. It's always interesting to hear what uh, people in the same space thinks. Uh, first of all, a disclaimer. Yes, I'm working for Pulumi, so um, I may be a little bit biased in some of my points. But I just wanted to continue what uh, Anders uh, mentioned, and I found this very interesting because this is something we at Pulumi could also feel was an increase of people looking around, let me say like this. So not saying, hey, I'm going to switch, but just started to reevaluate the situation because there is now a uncertainty and fear what's going on with the tools they're using. So that's, that's one of the things. So people start to, to ask the questions or maybe redo the diligence they maybe uh, missed before because they saw open source as always for granted and hey, license change is something that cannot happen. So yes, we saw people coming with these concerns or coming and say, hey, we're going to use now the opportunity with this license change to look around, to create a new shortlist of possible other solutions that was one of the things and i think the whole licensing change um made the situation that people when they decide for something new they they look a little bit more deeper it even went so far that our ceo joe for example here uh, presented a, a youtube video where he had to assure the people to say hey pulumi as for now, will stay open source, is open source in its core. There's nothing uh, planned, any license changes and so on, because people asked about this and everything, what we sometimes said, like, yeah, you're going to be the next, you know? <laughs> so that's the thing um, I saw. So the a little bit shaking on the, on the, um, the, the culture of people, how they consumed before open source tools. So people are now aware there are different licenses and people are aware that there can be a license change and they are looking more during their, their evaluation of tools, which license is underneath because not every open source license, as we saw now, is the same and could even have an impact of some of the companies. I, who do I talk? I mean, OHAD with MC0 and so on. Uh, they saw this firsthand. What could it mean for a company? Um, when a license of a core element of their um, business model change. So just some insight from me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Actually, one uh, thing that I, uh, that I recall seeing that when the uh, license changed, uh, in the same way that Dotan mentioned open bow and that eventually it was just because they had that dependency that they literally had to fork the project in order to, to continue a different project. Uh, I even saw in the security space, and maybe this is something that Andrew can, uh, can attest to uh, after we just finished this uh, specific question, but that they were even considering it almost like a supply chain attack. Once your license changes and you have this dependency and you suddenly have this package that's in your, um, that's tightly coupled in your stack, um, it really can wreak havoc. Um, so, so it's interesting to see how those sorts of things um, can be perceived and impact 
uh, an engineering stack that's that's running and in production when when these things uh, are pulled out from under you. So all these points are uh, really um, interesting. Um, I'm going to ask Dotan and Ohad to, to chime in, and then I want to hear also what Nati Shalom has to say about uh, all of this, uh, because I see that he has accepted the uh, invitation to speak, and I always like uh, Nati Shalom's in insights as well. So go ahead, Dotan, tell us your thoughts. Uh, I, I think that what uh, uh, Engin said is, is very, very true. Uh, I think looking now uh, not as maintainers or open source enthusiasts, but as plain users, the, the vast majority just use again libraries or tools in their day-to-day -day, and it's very important to uh, uh, get into uh, the usage in a more mature fashion and uh, we do thorough evaluation of uh, of tools for many many respects and the, the the performance and the cost and the security is now much more conscious uh, people are more conscious of security aspect this should be one of the elements as well i don't say i say it's the most important but it is a different element that seems to be uh, um, uh, not top of mind for for everyone, uh, and it's not just the license. So license people by now are already uh, fairly familiar with li open source licensing. It's fine, but look beyond the licensing. Look and ask uh, additional questions like who's the uh, uh, who's behind the open source. If you see a single entity behind an open source, we we saw what could happen. We saw that you're it's it's it, it could flip on you, uh, and and also ask what's the governance policy. Uh, this is the governance policy is the thing that will determine who can uh, change the license or ma many other things and who can be promoted how can people be, be promoted to, con to contributors to maintainers to approvers to uh, whatnot and all this process and, and the transparency around that uh, so it's very important to ask these questions uh, from the get-go and understand if you have two options two open source tools uh, that are equally uh, on the same uh, level in other respects, this should definitely be a, fac a factor for your decision. So just to make sure, and obviously when you use the tool, uh, still also use it uh, uh, wisely. So just like when you, in security, you uh, manage your uh, third party licensing exposure, you need to, uh, your security exposure, you should do the same with the licensing exposure. We mentioned like uh, uh, copyleft licenses that can be, um, uh, can can spread virally with to to your code, so you need to understand that and, and mitigate that. You need to be to take care with automation, for example, so that you don't uh, automatically upgrade. We all love automations. We're all uh, engineers, but uh, if you upgrade and then suddenly the license change and you haven't put guardrails in that process, suddenly within this automation you find yourself uh, adopting a, a license that you you didn't plan on just because of the automation. So lots of things that I would say. Make sure that it's uh, in in your day-to-day -day engineering activity, both when when deciding on uh, choosing a tool and when using it in your day-to-day. -day. Yeah, that's one hundred percent correct. Um, Ohad, if you don't mind, I'm going to let Nati chime in because I'd love to hear what he has to say. First of all, also on the future of open source, I'm so happy you're here, Nati. First of all, welcome, welcome, um, and also like a little bit on the future of. I see open source, and I, I historically remember you kind of saying things around predicting kind of uh, the end of Terraform as the golden hammer. That was uh, kind of how you uh, phrased it, and I thought that was a really interesting phrasing. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on everything that's played out since then. Yeah, so I think you also, by the way, do you hear me? Yes, we do. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, I'm new to this platform. It's actually pretty nice. Uh, anyway, the uh, I think the what what you also remember is the saying, uh, the only constant is change that I think was uh, also on our shirts and, and whatever. And I think it applies here as well. 
I heard a lot of examples uh, of uh, open source, uh, I think, uh, project that was mentioned here. One thing that I didn't hear is Docker. And I think uh, those who are uh, remember uh, the days of Docker and how it started in a storm and, and uh, looked like uh, uh, the only constant is not change, uh, that it's going to be there forever, uh, can look uh, and see even you know how much a dominant uh, project, a uh, very successful one, can be too successful. Uh, and there is something that is called too successful. And I think the case of Terraform really reminds me of that example. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, we lost you there for a second. You're there? Yeah. There go. I'm saying there is something that is called being too successful. Uh, Docker is a great example for that. Uh, and I think Terraform is very closely, I think, uh, in in that on path of too many companies, pretty big companies and pretty big projects, uh, that the uh, the I would say the force of fork, uh, sort of speak, uh, is almost inevitable. Uh, and the same thing that happened with Docker uh, when they uh, became greedy, you know, and uh, wanted to move up the stack and kind of. Uh, dictate how things will work uh, that force of fork uh, became stronger and stronger you know with joining uh, uh, google that actually created another project which is called kubernetes which kind of killed storm uh, uh, swarm and, and and so forth so i think there's enough gravity to create a momentum what i think the community needs to realize is that it's going to take time to build that momentum and this needs to be a patient. For patient, and that's the, the second point, you need funding. And I think one of the things that I think we're still lacking is a good business model behind those open source projects. Uh, because what we're seeing is that every time that there is a successful open source, it becomes greedy and therefore strange license. And that kind of makes a lot of people uh, relatively skeptic about the nature of open source as it uh, appeared in that, in that. So I think. I'm hoping uh, that something that out of this open software experience is, is also a better business model that I think would be viable for both the maintainers uh, that obviously need funding uh, to maintain things. It doesn't come for free, uh, but wouldn't really have to go through this greediness phase where everything becomes closed, et cetera. Uh, so that's my hope yeah. uh, and, and something to live with the community. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more that something must be broken in the system if this is the outcome of all of these successful uh, open source projects. And maybe we do need to rethink um, what that model actually looks like going forward. Uh, Ohad, I'll let you wrap it up and also give us some, uh, you know, some teasers looking forward uh, in terms of the project, what, what we can expect in terms of the rollout and, uh, and uh, I guess, timeframes for releases and uh, and just take it away and uh, wrap up <laughs> sure. our space. Sure, thanks, Sharon. Thanks, everybody. I would mainly like to echo what Dotan just said earlier. And for me, it was also a learning experience because up until a few months ago, I thought open source is open source or mostly open source. Uh, but I think now uh, engineering leaders, when choosing uh, new technologies to use that are open source, need to look at two other uh, criterias. One is who is behind that legally licensed open source? Is it 
a company or is it the CNCF Linux Foundation or something like that? Because that's totally different. There is no pull rugs if it's under the uh, CNCF or the Linux Foundation. The second thing, if it's uh, not under uh, the Linux Foundation or CNCF or something like that, is how this project, open source project, behaves. Uh, so for example, a couple of years ago in uh, September 21, uh, HashiCorp announced that they're no longer accepting a community pull request to Terraform call. So that's a huge signal of how this project is uh, being managed. It was open source license back then, but it was not community driven. So after looking at both the license itself from a legal point of view, but also more importantly, the community aspect of how you can how you can influence, how you can affect the uh, progress of this project and who controls this project, whether it's impartial uh, within the Linux Foundation CNCF or not as impartial as you wanted it to be. Because things can change and we've learned that from uh, HashiCorp license change and other license changes that were discussed here as well. So yeah, I think we all learned and I think a lot of folks uh, a lot of engineers also learned a very important uh, lesson and will take the future decisions uh, accordingly. And I think some things will change. Uh, back to your question about the uh, uh, teasers and, th and things like that. So again, uh, it's, it's, it's not something that I am uh, too special to ask. It's, it's a community driven project the questions are being asked in uh, in those forums so again a boring answer to an important question is just to follow the uh, official uh, website uh, slack channel social media of open tofu and learn from there exactly what's going on uh, with the uh, weekly updates and uh, you know th this is how it should be done in the community i don't have any important information that others don't have. Fantastic. That's, uh, I guess that's uh, the way it should be. Um, I could go on all night talking about open source, one of the, uh, the topics that are near and dear to my heart. Um, but I guess we will wrap up. I am going to thank uh, my co-host, uh, Matan Bouganim from N0 and Andrew Martin from Control Plane, Zatan Horowitz from Logs.io, Ohad Maizlis from N0, and Andrew Zechner from Stira, and all of the speakers, Nati, uh, Eddie, Engin, thank you so much for chiming in and uh, being a meaningful part of our community. Um, we will keep you posted, and, uh, and you can definitely follow uh, both the, myself, the TLV community, and uh, and the Open Tofu uh, community uh, for more updates. Uh, DevOps Days Tel Aviv, and any of those uh, those handles and uh, communities, uh, and get involved. Um, we uh, hope to be able to meet up in person sometime soon, and hopefully, I'll see all of you on the community circuit. Thanks so much for being here. Have a good evening. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks to our panelists. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, everyone.